just going to read a few verses from Deuteronomy in chapter 32. Deuteronomy in chapter 32. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, and my speech shall distew as the, uh, distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are perverse and, cr and a crooked generation. Do ye thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father that bought thee? Hath he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father, and he will show thee. Thy elders, and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, Spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kine, milk of sheep, and fat of lambs. And rams, the breed of Bashan, and goats, with the fat of kidneys of wheat. Thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. Amen. We thank the Lord for this short reading of his word. We trust that he will bless us in our meditation this morning. Let's bow our heads again and ask the Lord's help. Now, Father, as we come to thy word, we realize, Lord, that we need thy help in comprehension. We need thee, O Lord, to help us that we might not be dis distracted. We pray, Father, that thou wilt help us to bring together the thoughts which are presented this day and we pray lord that we might leave this house with a blessing be with us now then we ask thee help me give me the words that i should speak and lord touch my soul and we all together might rejoice in the lord our god we ask these things for jesus sake amen amen i want to take two different texts from two different places today uh, this is the one of them we'll turn to the other uh, when we arrive there but i want to think about the portion uh, which is spoken of here in verse 9 for the lord's portion is his people jacob is the lot of his inheritance i want to take that first of all then as my first point and then move to another verse to consider his people's portion is the lord the lord's portion is his people and his people's portion is the lord and those are the thoughts which I want to bring to your attention today. So first of all here then in verse 9 of chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, uh, we read these words, for the Lord's portion is his people. 
Uh, these are the words which first attracted me to this text, uh, thinking about the fact that the Lord has a portion also. Uh, we read, uh, of course, in the scripture of the inheritance of the saints, that we have a portion uh, which is set out for us and that we inherit uh, eternal life and we inherit uh, the portion with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord's portion, what is the Lord's portion? Well, it's not the land, it's not the creation, it's not the stars, the sun and the moon. Uh, the Lord's portion is his people. That is where his desire is. Uh, that is where he puts his spirit and indeed, that is his temple, because we know that the Apostle Paul says that, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Lord dwells in us. The Lord's portion is his people. I want to think about this then and consider it. And first of all, we recognize that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So everything which we see in creation is the Lord's. He owns all things, and yet above that which is his by right and by creation, he has a portion in his people. We think of a, his people then as us. If we are Christ's, we are his people. And we see that we are his possession. We are his possession because of his own personal pleasure. We read together in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 how the Lord has chosen us according to his own pleasure in verse 5 there in Ephesians having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will I always find that amazing I examine my own life and the, all the, the way that I've gone in my life and think to myself well, why why did the Lord put his hand upon me why did the Lord choose me is an amazing thing, considering that the Lord knows the end from the beginning. He sees all of our weaknesses, he sees all of our failures, and yet, nevertheless, for all of that, the Lord chooses a people for himself who are not perfect, who, are, who have many weaknesses and many failings, and who so often lack in faith and are not obedient, and yet the Lord has chosen us. And we go before the Lord and, and we wonder and we say perhaps to the Lord, well, why, Lord? What is it? Why are you so gracious to me? And we've noted over these, these weeks and months uh, how that David was chosen of the Lord. And we've seen lots of David's failings and how that he has walked with the Lord and then not walked with the Lord, where he has uh, thought in his own heart and gone his own way and the Lord has delivered him and brought him back again and how long-suffering the Lord is with his people. But it is the Lord's personal pleasure. In Deuteronomy 7 and verse 7 we read, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. And again, we can say that of the child of God, can't we? We look across this land in these days, and we know that this land has been blessed above many upon the earth. And uh, Spurgeon speaks of the fact that only 50% uh, or about half of the people were in the church on the Lord's Day. And so in time past, certainly there was a great blessing in this land. But what about other lands? When we consider that percentage here, what about the percentage at that time in Africa or in India or in other parts of the world? And so always the Lord's people have been a tiny minority amongst the people of the world. The Lord knows us, though, 
It is his personal pleasure to call a people unto himself. In 2 Timothy 2.19 we read, Nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He is a shepherd. He calleth us by name. And we have, if we are Christ here this morning, we have heard that voice. We have heard him call our name. We have heard the Mark, Mark, the Samuel, Samuel. We have heard him speak our name. And by his grace, we were led to reply to him. Then also, not only a personal pleasure, but a priceless purchase. Because we know that the Lord not only had a pleasure in having a people for himself, but he also spent that which was priceless to purchase us as his possession. First Peter 1.18, of course, a well-known verse, uh, verses 18 and 19, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The precious blood of Christ. Uh, we, again, we ask ourselves the question, why, Lord, would you give your son, who was perfect, and accomplished everything that you required of man while he was upon this earth, why would you give his life for mine when I am such a failure in this life? When I, am, I fall so short of the glory of God, that the commands which thou hast given I have not kept, and that which thou hast forbidden I have overstepped the mark. And yet the Lord has purchased us with the precious blood of Christ that we might be his. And he has done so with a great battle as well, a powerful persuasion that came upon our hearts as the Lord dealt with us. Again, if we quote Spurgeon, and he has a, a, a tremendous uh, portion here, uh, which we might just read to you. We are Christ's this day by conquest in us. What a battle he had in us before we would be won. How long he laid siege to our hearts. How often he sent his terms of capitulation. But we rejected all overtures of submission. We barred our gates. We fenced our walls against him. The law with his great battering ram smote our gates till the posts rocked in their sockets. But we fortified our strongholds and fought stoutly against the Most High, vowing that we would not be subdued. But ah, do you remember that glorious hour when he carried our hearts by storm? When he put his cross against the wall and scaled our ramparts, planting on our strongholds the blood-red flag of his atoning mercy? Oh, brethren, we are indeed the conquered captives of his omnipotent love. Thus chosen, purchased, and subdued, the rights of our divine possessor are undeniable, and we, his people, are the regalia of his royalty, the gem of his crown, the sheep of his pasture, the children of his love, the darlings of his heart. If he could renounce all else which owns his sway, yet can he never give them up, of whom it is written, the Lord's portion is his people." The Lord worked mightily in our hearts to bring us, to break us, to bring us to trust in him, to bring us to the realization that there was no other way of salvation, that if we were to carry on in our own paths, then we would be lost and we would be destroyed. 
and we would be cast far from the love of God. We see also that the Lord's portion is his people and his passionate protection of us. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, uh, we read, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Our heart? Well, we consider ourselves as our hearts being perfect when our hearts are not perfect, not in the sense that we are obedient in all things and glorify him in all things, but they are perfect in the fact that he has perfected them through the blood of Christ. His eyes run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them. Well, he looks after us. He cares for us. He sees us in all our ways. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are opened unto their cry. And behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. And the Lord's hand is upon us. His blessing is upon us. His presence is with us. He watches us the whole time. He has a care for us. We might ask the question then, well, why our troubles? Why the difficulties that come upon us? And the Lord has many things, of course, to instruct us in. And as he fought so valiantly to bring us to himself in the first place, so he continues that work that we might be found worthy in the day of Jesus Christ. He teaches us patience. He teaches us endurance. He teaches us that our need of faith and our need of communion with him he has given us his word that in all of the uh, on all the waves of time and all of the troubles of the world we might have a sure foundation there are many however who don't read that word and who are blown about by every wind of doctrine how we need the scriptures to fill our hearts and our minds and the lord has this passionate protection of us and from the beginning Ezekiel 16, 8, now when I passed by thee, I looked upon thee. Behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. I passed by thee. And Ezekiel says, when thou wast in thy bloods, I passed by thee. I covered thee with the skirt of my garment, just like as we read in the book of Ruth, as Ruth lays down at Boaz's feet and lays his garment upon her, so the Lord, the Lord in his grace, the Lord in his purpose, has found us, claimed us for his own. The Lord's portion is his people. And we know also that he, we are not just his possession, but that we have his presence. He delights in us. Thou shalt no more be, for be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hepzibah, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Well, the Lord delights in his people. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? I, I, I find that an incredible thing. I find it so hard to establish that in my mind, that the Lord delights in such a, an unworthy people. And of course, throughout the Old Testament, the unworthy people, once again, are mentioned over and over. And I think there is far more written of the land of Israel and the people of Israel uh, concerning their departure from the Lord than there is 
of their obedience to the Lord. Surely all the prophets are filled uh, with uh, chastisements and castigations of, of their ways, that they have departed from the Lord, that they have turned to idols, that they have wandered so far, and yet the Lord has kept them even until the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were carried away captive into a foreign land, and they were brought back. Through the days of the, the, the Greeks and the Ptolemies and Seleucids, uh, when Rome came and conquered the land, through all of these things, the Lord kept his people and they dwelt still in the land which he had given them, that the prophecies might be fulfilled, that Jesus Christ the Messiah would be born of a virgin in Israel, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, the son of David. As the Lord suffered long with Israel, so the Lord suffers long with all of his people. We see the picture over and over again. Oh, that we might walk with him. We have his presence. He delights to be present with us. And we are his dwelling place. The Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. These are the words of the Lord concerning his people. This is my rest forever. Do we not, again, as we have mentioned already, read that the Spirit of God dwelleth in us, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, that we are built a holy habitation, a holy habitation. And who inhabits that habitation? But the Lord. Well, the Lord's portion is his people. And we know also his purpose. In Isaiah 62, 5, we read, As the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. We read this, of course, as John finishes off the, the whole of the scriptures there in the book of Revelation. There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. His purpose, that we should be the bride of the Lamb of God, that we should dwell with him in his, in his place for eternity. We read, don't we, in John's uh, Gospel, in chapter 24, 20, John 17, verse 24, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world the Lord's people the Lord's portion is his people but then we could turn also if we uh, will to if, uh, to Psalms and the 16th Psalm Psalm 16 there we read in the fifth and sixth verses of that Psalm the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. 
The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, the psalmist says. The golden psalm, Miktam, of David. Here is the, the blessing of God then, that we should have the Lord as our portion. Our portion is not in this world. Our portion is not a land. It is not a part of a, of a country. Our portion is the Lord. The psalmist realizes this. Of course, Israel always considered and does today uh, consider the land there in the Middle East to be their portion and their inheritance. But the Lord's people's portion and inheritance is not a land. The Lord's portion and inheritance is the Lord himself. And the psalmist recognizes this. He is not looking for something in this world. And we read likewise in Hebrews chapter 11, they sought for a city whose builder and maker is God. If they've been mindful of the land from whence they had come out, they may have had opportunity to have returned. But no, they seek something more, a heavenly country. And so the writer to the Hebrews tells us that we also have something more, something which is greater. So we see here then, uh, that the Lord is our portion, uh, our inheritance, our cup. Again, in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 16, in fact, this verse comes up twice. In fact, the whole portion there, a whole section comes up twice in the book of Jeremiah. But in Psalm 16, and verse 5, we read, The Lord is the portion, sorry, in Jeremiah 10, and verse 16, The portion of Jacob is not like them, that is, the idols which come before this verse. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things. And Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. He is the former of all things. So when we consider the people's portion, when we consider our portion, that the Lord is our portion, we find that the Lord is an all-sufficient portion because he is the former of all things, he has made all things. There, everything is in his hand. There is nothing which he cannot provide. There is nothing uh, which is beyond our reach because the Lord is our portion. No wonder the psalmist then says, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Remember the words of the Lord uh, when, he considers, when we consider our provisions where he says, take no thought saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. The Gentiles seek the world, the things of the world. They seek power and glory, they speak, seek wealth, they seek experiences, they seek everything that is here in this world. But for us, the Lord says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you we ask the question then this morning what is your portion the psalmist is able to say the lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup thou maintainest my lot the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places yea i have a goodly heritage and that's so important that we can all say individually and not as a congregation not as a, a, the mass of God's people, but individually, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. Is the Lord your portion? Do you desire him? Are there things in this world that you seek after? Are there things in this world which are more important than the Lord? I, I'm, I'm sure that there often are. 
but we seek to have that desire of the Lord above everything that we might give ourselves to him and then we think of that all sufficient portion in provision but as an all sufficient portion in prayer also the Lord is able to answer prayer and to work in us and to give us all those things that we have need of we read to get from Ephesians 1 verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all because the lord's portion is his people and with this understanding of the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power to us would who believe we read in chapter 3 of Ephesians and remember that the book is a continuation it's an argument from the beginning to the end sometimes we lose sight of that because we take a verse from here or we take a verse from there and we see it in the immediate context but remember that the, the whole of the scripture there the whole of that the letter to the Ephesians is one and Ephesians 3 and verse 20 on the basis of these words and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places we read in Ephesians 3:20 now unto him that is able to do exceeding above exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us what is the power that worketh in us is the power that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, we're thinking of prayer here. We've looked at the provision, the things that we need in this world that the Lord will provide for us. But there are other things, aren't there? And sometimes more important things. We hear a lot these days about mental health. And we see uh, the results of poor mental health uh, as we have heard of this terrible shooting in this land. And mental health is a, is a great thing which we hear a lot about. And I often think to myself, well, mental health is in such a state because people don't come to the house of God. People don't hear that which is unchanging. There is a constant flux in this world when we hear the philosophies of men, the ideas of men. They change from this and they change to that and nobody knows where they're coming or going. But the word of God remains and is established always the same. And it gives wisdom. And it gives stability. And it gives strength. And it gives instruction. And it guides us in all the way that we go. But above that, in prayer, the power of God to keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The power of prayer, which is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. What is that power? The power of the resurrection. 
the power which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And so often we feel that deadness in our hearts and in our lives. And the power of God is there to raise us, as it were, from the dead. In fact, it's in Ephesians again that it tells us to, uh, to arise from among the dead and Christ shall give thee light. And the apostle is exhorting us. Seek the Lord if you're feeling deadness. Seek the Lord. He is the power of the resurrection. The apostle, again, in Philippians says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He's an all-sufficient portion for us. He is the people's portion. And in purity also. Colossians 1. 12, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Impurity. How? Well, we are cleansed, redeemed through his blood. We are reconciled to God. A purity, a cleansing. This is our inheritance. Is your inheritance the Lord this day? We do seek something else. Some seek to inherit the church. Some seek to inherit fellowship. Some seek to inherit uh, some uh, psychological prop in this world. But our inheritance is in the Lord. And again, an all-sufficient portion in perception. In perception. Therefore, let no man glory in men. We often glory in men. We ought not to. Our inheritance is the Lord. Whether all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Kephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come all things are all are yours and ye are Christ's and Christ is God's we have all things in Christ giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light are we trusting in Christ are you trusting in Christ this morning and if not then let's spend some time this day Seeking his face. Seeking for that resurrection power. Seeking for that blessing which may be lacking in us. And it could be because there is much to affect our mental health in these days. I was just driving here this morning. I said to Carol, it's depressing, this world. And she said, what's depressing? And I said, all the weeds. (laughs) As we're driving down the road down the middle of the road, tall weeds, weeds of every description, growing everywhere. I say it's a reflection of this country. It's full of weeds. It's full of weeds. The garden has become overgrown. And weeds, as we know, are used of, the, of Solomon as he speaks about the one who folds his hands for a little while. And then the garden is filled with weeds. And the weeds continue to grow. And they need to be cut. We need to plant those blooms of righteousness. We seek the Lord to help us that we might glorify him. He's an all-sufficient portion. 
And finally is a settled portion. We quoted already from Hebrews 11, verse 16 says, But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. The Lord has settled before us an inheritance, an inheritance that passeth not away. I was greatly blessed when we were doing our studies in First Peter, it was a few years ago now, I think, uh, but then uh, it, it was a great blessing to me from First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. An inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And of us who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, the Lord's portion is his people. His people's portion is the Lord. That is a communion. That is a marriage. That is a fellowship which transcends anything that we might have in this world. But what do we know of it this day? How much of it have we realized? How much of the blessing of God, the understanding of who we are to him, has entered into our thoughts and our minds? And how much consideration have we given to who he is to us? For he is all things. If we walk with him, may the Lord bless these thoughts this morning to our hearts.